previously on Get in the Mecca. In regards to Mario, I would say that the tone does feel a lot more raw and a lot more adultish and even close to realism. One thing I do want to point out though is in regards to us talking about consistency, he is also quite consistent when it comes to his panelling style. These real life situations are attuned to realism and brought to us, they're delivered to us, despite being fictional experiences. This is Get in the Mecca, the weekly anime and manga show where we take things one step further. I analyse everything from arcs to OPs to episodes in my wacky but enjoyable quest to make sense of all of it. Welcome back to Get in the Mecca, I'm your host Jamal today and in today's episode we have reached the conclusion to our Beyond Konoha mini-series and this is the final episode and uh, again in this episode I will be speaking about one of Masashi Kishimoto's one-shot manga. In today's episode I will be talking about Bench which came out in 2010 and then was digitally published in 2013 and this is a baseball manga, this is a baseball one-shot manga, so what I want to talk about is how Masashi Kishimoto manages to handle sports as its almost own genre in itself, and how successful is he in doing that when you consider the fact that it is a one-shot manga. I do want to say that I really have enjoyed this series, and I know this is only the intro, we still have a whole episode left, but I just want to say that Thank you for the support on this series because I didn't think it would be received very well and it's really nice and encouraging that you guys want to or you guys actually care to listen about these manga which are not so talked about. But anyway, let's dive into today's episode. This is episode 45 of Gas in the Mecca, a look at Masashi Kishimoto's bench. Just like the other one-shot manga of which we have looked at within the Beyond Konoha miniseries, so that was Karakuri and Mario, it's really interesting how each one of them has their almost very separate premise from one another. In the case of this manga, being Bench, Bench is set in a completely different world and can't really be attached to the others unlike Mario which is in a mafia setting and Karakuri which is in a very similar to Naruto setting as it did inspire that. So again just like the other episodes we're going to be diving into a almost completely new world and premise. And I guess that does show how Kishimoto does think quite a lot about these. He is able to jump between things and he's not rigid within one formula. And so for this episode of which we're looking at Bench, although yes, technically I, I said this in the other episodes, spoilers, but it is a one-shot manga, it's about 48 pages, and so you can read the manga afterwards or if you want to read it beforehand and then listen to this podcast and the analysis and my opinions, then feel free to do so. You're probably wondering what is Bench about, I've said Bench all the time and yes it doesn't actually have to do with a bench, I think Bench in itself, although I haven't clarified this, is almost metaphorical for being on the bench, you're on the sidelines, which the characters within this one shot manga effectively are. And so Bench involves an overweight transfer student known as Yamaguchi Stomo, who joins the D-team of the new school which he goes to. 
The quote-unquote D team is seen by the A team and the other teams as the worst of the worst. And during club times, they don't get to play any games and they're just left to goof around. However, there is a bit of a twist within this manga, and that twist is that Stomo or Yamaguchi Stomo formerly played for a very successful team in the past. Eventually, the A team and the D team clash, as you would expect, and they end up trying to settle the score within a game, which is probably the main part of the manga. And so Benshin Summary is about the beginning of this journey for Yamaguchi Stomo in becoming a pro second baseman. So that is most of the plot, and from what I understand of it, it's good to consider that when you are looking at this plot, I don't believe it was intended for serialization. Obviously, if I am wrong on any of the facts here, there are ways to contact me. But from my research, I do not believe that Bench was made to be serialized. Kishimoto did work on another baseball manga earlier, I believe it was called Yagyo, but that also didn't really go ahead and I do believe it was intended for a Senin magazine, but that was back in the Mario days. But Bench, however, is a self-contained narrative and it's all closed within its own shell and as a result, I think most of my analysis and analysis in general in regards to this manga should be centered around it as a single piece as opposed to we don't get to see anything develop out of it. And so we, I guess we can look at the limitations of a one shot, but we shouldn't be thinking that it's going to evolve and go further because it wasn't intended for that use. On this mini-series, I do say that we look at Kishimoto from the perspective of both an artist and a writer, and generally as a creative, and so let's go into the art category, and in regards to art, we get a good amount of consistency, or at least if you have read the other one-shots, you would see that that consistency begins to develop a lot more. In the previous episode again, the Mecca, we did look at Mario, and Mario did have a lot of consistency, that's what I really praised it for, because, and although experimenting is good, and I will speak about that later in today's episode, experimenting at times can also be disruptive to the process of creating, and if you are to push out a manga weekly, although that's not the case for Bench, it is necessary to have something which the people can know you for and what people will read for they will, and consume the manga for. And Bench goes by this very same doctrine which Kishimoto, or, or this president even, that Kishimoto managed to set within his own art. I guess the reason for this is just the nature of the manga in itself and how most of it, or if not, not all of it, a lot of it is based outside. It's an outdoor sport and so baseball and the nature of the manga again lets us see what Kishimoto is capable of. So if we again go back to last episode when we looked at how he has these very interesting takes on rendering these small details on the floor, not shading the entire thing, but making subtle, almost markings on the floor just to give it a bit more texture, things like that, things on the wall as well. Kishimoto manages to keep that up throughout this manga, just as he did in Mario. However, I would say although there is consistency within this manga, the interesting thing is once we take into account again the other one-shots and other Kishimoto works, there is a slight change in art and that's mostly from its character designs. I would say that they look a lot more like the Karakuri or even Akira-esque character designs of which he went for previously in his work, and I think it works quite well. It has this slightly softer feel versus Mario. I could understand why one would go for a bit more of an quote-unquote adultish feel, one of which was closer to what we can define as realism. 
the circular eyes or oval eyes and noses and a lot more rounded faces just makes it a bit more friendly to read. I guess, or I'm guessing that that was what he was going for in regards to character. He just wanted to make something which didn't feel so intimidating because this isn't an intimidating piece of work. This is in fact, although yes, there is a bit of bullying in there, overall it's quite a friendly work to read and you kind of want to reflect that through multiple things. You don't just want to reflect feelings through narrative and so I guess that just leads to another point on how Masashi Kishimoto is intentional and he intends to portray things not just through the obvious sense, the obvious sense being narrative. How are you going to make a friendly narrative? We introduce happy themes, we make it, we introduce happy feelings almost and so Kishimoto nuances that a bit more and through again his artistic style He's centered the manga or has, he's readjusted some of the components of his own work in order to fit that image a bit more, which I really do respect. He isn't scared to adjust things as we've seen, although yes, and I don't want to make this a big thing and it shouldn't be a big thing because again, I respect him so much as a creative, but Kishimoto is used to a lot of his work failing and again, I don't even like the word failing, but we've seen it with Samurai 8 recently, unfortunately, and we've seen it with the other works as well like Mario and Karakuri. It's a shame and I wish again it didn't happen, but that is the reality of things, but even so, he isn't scared to readjust and readapt because I, I think that is what art is all about. It's about experimenting, it's about trying new things because we won't know what works unless we don't try those things. He's willing, as we've seen again in Karakuri or just in other works, to adjust things for an intended effect and maybe that intended effect doesn't always come across so clearly but as we've seen with other works, when it hits, it does hit and it hits really hard. This notion of experimentation is something which we also see in his paneling as well, something which I referenced last episode but I didn't think that Kishimoto would ever do that because I, I've i read some Naruto and I've seen, I've read obviously his other works because I'm I've done this mini-series, but I just never thought it was something that he was into doing, and that is overlapping characters on panels. I guess it is something for showing off the character designs, it's, as an artist, not me as an artist, but as a creative, you do want to share your work and you do want to show what you're proud of, and the character designs get to stand out on the page. And I think Kishimoto, with someone who has excellent character designs, I've always loved most of his designs throughout all of his work. It's very fair for him to show them off, and it's not even in like an excessive way, it's only a, a few times throughout the manga, but it exemplifies these almost individual personalities. We have multiple kids or competitors who have these very distinct personalities and these notions of talent and effort are very big things which divide the A team and the D team. And so we do need these individual personalities to shine because also, although it is a team sport, it's made of individuals and the individuals deserve to shine and hence Kishimoto's character designs deserve to do the same. He's also, again, more experimental within his panelling with these diagonals and these trapeziums. <laughs> I, I know saying a trapezium panel sounds really weird, but what I mean by that is just he's using much more different shapes. Again, that's for the intended effect. 
sport is something which I would associate with being dynamic. And yes, you can debate that with quote unquote chess being a sport or quote unquote poker being a sport, those sorts of things. But in general, I think that when it comes to physical sports, they are dynamic. You are moving. It's physical. And we can't do that in manga because there isn't motion. And how do we portray motion then? And yes, there are multiple techniques in doing that and multiple ways of conveying that within one's drawing and line work, etc. But I think it's also very important to recognize that it's the panels are the framework of which that is in and we need to make those as interesting and bold as possible. When we get people hitting the ball or even catching the ball, even people just spectating the game, it needs to appear as exciting because that is within Masashi Kishimoto's view of sport, or at least from what he's shown, it needs to be exciting. And so we need to bring forward something which adds that dynamism. And I think that he really nailed that with the two page spreads and the trapeziums and the triangles. Now let's switch to the narrative because this is something which is a bit harder to do for something which is sports manga, which is within a one-shot form. Interestingly enough, I do think that this manga is probably the most tangible in regards to realism and real-life experiences, although and no, I'm not saying that realism is bad, I'm not against realism, not critiquing it, but as I said previously in the series, he manages to bring the exciting atmospheres of which we don't get to experience to us. So, so in the case of Mario, these mafia missions and jobs which most of us don't experience on an everyday basis. But this manga just has a bit more, I don't want to say sentimentality, but it at least it's something which we can experience. It's something which a lot of us have experienced before. We've played sports in high school or whatever. And some may view this as basic as a result. And comparing to his other work, that realism does make it, it's not something which we see a lot from Kishimoto. It's something which he, he likes realism from an artistic point of view, but in regards to narratives, it doesn't seem to be something that he delves into too much. And yes, as I said before, in contrast, that might appear as basic, but I think it just adds to the feel-good nature of this manga and, and of this piece. I did write in my notes, and I 100% agree with it still, that I think it'd be very hard to make a sports manga which feels a lot more dark or has this extra element to it to give it this edge. I'm not a very big fan of it, and I think it's quite hard to do. Sports is something that should be fun. It's something, it's an activity which should grant pleasure to some extent. And so he manages to bring us that pleasure and that feel-good feeling without diluting it with anything else. I don't think it would be so cool if, I'm not saying you should have, you can't have demotivated people within a sports manga, but again, considering it's a one shot, you kind of want to keep the morale and energy up for a bit. And so I think that just makes it something quite exciting to read overall. Another thing I want to give Kishimoto credit for in Bench is how he manages to work around the one shot formula. We've seen him do it in Karakuri. And yes, Karakuri was supposed to serialize, but at least that had the shonen battle narrative almost summarized or encapsulated into one almost 30-page manga. And I'm not going to try and propose that there is a sports formula because 
because besides winning and losing, I don't really know where that really goes. And so I'm not going to be trying to say that he's following a sports formula because I don't really think that exists. But I do think that he is still very effective in streamlining it to feel conclusive and still deliver us what we enjoy about sports manga, which is the clash between teams and the result of training or the result of the hard work of which has been done. Obviously, we don't get a whole training arc, but he's able to still deliver us what we enjoy or at least what I enjoy the most in this type of work. I honestly think conclusions are hard. We, as a Harem anime fan, concluding is difficult. I've seen it so many times and so many times I've been disappointed. And in a lot of work besides just Harem, creating an ending which is satisfying and, and it almost, it's, it's like a conclusion in an essay. Being able to wrap that up effectively is quite hard, especially when you've, if we talk about longer manga, how do you compress most of what you've said into a conclusion? And so concluding is difficult. However, in the case of Masashi Kishimoto and in the case of Bench, I would say that he does it quite well, and it's not perfect of an ending. After the match and after the D-team actually manages to win, because we learn of the twist in regards to Stomo, the conclusion does feel natural, it doesn't feel shoehorned on or forced on or bolted on even to the ending of the manga. And I guess maybe that's just an advantage of the genre, but I would also say that it's just an easy ending. It's, we finished the game, you guys should treat us better now, that's over. <laughs> and so the match ends and it feels fine. I don't feel as if I've been wanting so much more because it has a naturalized conclusion embedded within it. The naturalized conclusion being who wins and who loses. And because of the fact that we've been able to put these characters to the test, maybe not all of them, and so maybe that is a critique, but because we've had our main characters put to the test, there's not much more I can want from this manga, and so I can't really complain about its conclusion. As I also said earlier into today's episode, we can't really beg for development or really analyze it against there isn't enough of it. And as a result, we can't really, (laughs) I think asking for more isn't really the best way of approaching this because it's intended to be within this small shell. And so I'll just repeat, I think it's just a lot more productive to think about what it does well and how it streamlines more than why don't we get this longer chain of it or why doesn't it progress further because it's not intended to progress further. My final point before we go on to our insight of the week is one thing that he does attempt to do, and this is something which we we haven't really or explicitly seen within most of the one shots which we've looked at, and that is a slight stab at, and I say in very big air quotes, character philosophy. I'm not saying that this is philosophical, don't get me wrong, but when I say character philosophy, I just mean an almost mantra to live by, or a concept of which the character uses, or a character uses as almost their framework on the subject. So in this case, it's sport, and the almost quote-unquote antagonist of this manga contrasts talent and effort, and why talent is superior, and why effort is almost null, or should be nullified, because it just isn't enough. I guess I can only respect Kishimoto for doing this, 
It's an attempt of just building another sort of thematic layer over the main narrative. And I wouldn't really ask for this in a one shot, but he goes for it. And as, as I've said, he's an experimental writer. He's an experimental artist. Maybe not in the like avant-garde sense, but at least throughout the work of which he's done, he tries to do new things. And this is one of them. We can say that this backfires in the case of one-shot manga because we don't get much to it after this short clash and so the philosophy sort of stops there. But as I've also said in this episode, I don't think it's fair to criticize the fact that it hasn't developed yet because it's not intended to go much further after that. So that is the analysis for this week. I did not go that much into decent regards to the quote-unquote character philosophy because I don't think it's that important. I just think uh, being able to acknowledge that he's trying things is my, my big emphasis and focus of today's episode. And that is something which I'm actually going to zoom in on slightly for the insights of the week. This is the final one and I've been enjoying doing these, so I'm going to try and savor this one as much as possible. Just like last week, the source of which I'm using is a Los Angeles Times article conducted by Charles Solomon with Masashi Kishimoto himself, and that comes from December the 17th, 2008. So quite a while ago, and in this interview, he is mostly referring to Naruto, but I think there are things we can take from this which aren't necessarily in relation to his hit work, Naruto. I'm not necessarily going to be giving direct quotes, I'm not going to be lifting from this article, but the article will be in the show notes for this episode. If you do want to check those out, that is at getinthemecha.home.blog, and it will be under the blog post for this episode, so you can check that out, as well as all the other links I do have for all the episodes, so you have the links. If you just want to validate what I've been doing, or you just want to do some further reading into what I've discussed in these podcasts. And so this week's insight is probably my favorite one, and that's why I saved it for the last episode. I think it's also probably the most relevant one for Bench, and so effectively what the article says at this point is that Masashi Kishimoto treats his manga as as if he's the director or cinematographer of it, in how he shows these character close-ups, and we don't really see that as much, that is more in relation to Naruto, but again, it's more based on the cinematography and directional aspect. He uses these large drawings for expressive purposes, for conveying these emotions, these very large and abundant emotions of his various characters. We get that quite a lot in regards to Bench with this massive two-page spread when one of our characters is pitching and I think it I think it also shows and I've this is probably my main emphasis for the entire series that he is so intentional he's laid this all out he knows what he's doing and it sounds like an obvious point that as a creative you should know what you're doing but not everyone does but he obviously has laid out everything he knows what he's intending to do and he knows what intended effect of which he's trying to give off. The interview after this eventually goes on to how he takes a lot of inspiration from some western directors like Quentin Tarantino as well as Michael Bay and he even goes to talk about some other artistic inspirations such as Takeshi Kitano. Most of what he's referring to is their 
amazing cinematography or the things of which they do within their cinematography which makes their films so cool and he talks about the slow-mos that Tarantino does to make the normal seem really cool and how Michael Bay uses background lights during shooting and I really do also see uh, to an extent how Kishimoto tries to implement this and it does also show how experimental he is because he acknowledges that this is a hard thing to do in a medium of which is static effectively it, it doesn't move it's not animated so how do we portray that and I guess overall in the manga scene it's always been a difficult thing how do we make the still appear alive Kishimoto does make a very good attempt at doing that within this manga also if you do see the thumbnail on twitter I'm referencing that panel as well there's so much action within his work it feels vibrant it feels alive because he focuses in on impact he focuses in on, uh, it is more in relation to, as I've also said, the nature of the manga, but he makes those moments and capitalizes on those moments. He capitalizes on when they're pitching, he capitalizes on when they hit the ball, because those are the most important moments, and he attempts to make those seem as interesting and vibrant as possible, with these almost swirled lines, and this is more of an animation term, but the smeared ball, that's almost an oval now, because it's being thrown at such a speed. And so where I do want to end and wrap up this podcast is that this is the same man of which and the same monk of which we saw from Karakuri. He is still as experimental as then and although it doesn't show in the same sense, he is still trying to do new things. He's still trying to push his own art and it's amazing that he sees that still as a priority. Being an ambitious creative is probably, in, in my opinion, one of the best things you can be, not because of how it looks to other people, but it takes a sense of pride to do that, and Kishimoto, and Kishimoto has shown that he isn't afraid to push and challenge and develop his own art. Thank you for listening to Guess in the Mecca, that has been episode 45 and that is sadly the conclusion to the Beyond Konoha miniseries. As I said earlier in today's episode, I have really enjoyed doing this for these three weeks, it's been received really well and so I can only thank you guys for the support. I would love to do something like this for another artist or creator, not necessarily in regards to manga but just a miniseries focusing on their work because it's really cool to see these small changes. And it's something which I never really thought about that much, which I want to start thinking about a lot more. I think microanalysis, I think that microanalysis is just as important, maybe, just maybe, slightly more important than the macro. But that has been the episode. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day, or if you're listening to this on time, evening in UK terms anyway. Next week, I have some more anime analysis lined up. I'm actually intending to look at Vinland Saga Philosophy next week. And then after that, I have some filmmaking-esque stuff. I have an aspect ratio analysis plan and a very niche. And uh, yeah, the, the show is going to go back to quote-unquote normal again or it's going to be going back to what I usually do. But as I said, I would in the future love to do these sorts of series a lot more. But that's it. Thank you for listening. I've been your host Jamal today and this has been Guess in the Mecca. The music in this production goes as follows. 
8-bit title screen by Joth, Mandatory Overtime by Joth, and Anomaly by Eric Midias under soundimage.org.